everyone, and welcome back to the Recover with Carly podcast. Today's guest is my friend, Sharon Clausen. Sharon is someone who I've been following online for a while, and we recently met for the first time in person at a Knicks, um, a Knicks event in LA, and it's always so nice being able to like meet people in real life who you've been following online for quite some time and I just you know want to say Sharon is such a breath of fresh air it is always so nice meeting someone who you've been following um and being like you are literally exactly (laughs) the same in person because Sharon I'm sure you have had experiences where you've met people in person and you're like oh okay that is not at all who I expected you to be um, I feel like that just comes with like the influencer model content creating world. Um, but I'll just say, Sharon, it was just such a pleasure to meet you in person. And I'm so happy to have you here today. So welcome to the podcast. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. First of all, for all your kind words. Oh my gosh. And second, like it is so crazy to think how long we've had each other on social media or when you think about other people you've had and you're like, whoa, this is you in the flesh. This is you. And, you know, I felt the same when I met you. I was like, she's exactly how she portrays herself online, like her Instagram, TikTok, all social media. And it's just because I do have that fear when I follow like people that I've looked up to for so long. And if they're not what I was hoping they would be in person, that disappointment that comes with it. It's like, oh, really? Like that was my kind of thing. And because you look up to a lot of these people, these influencers, models, all of the above, but then it's just like, yeah, that's, that's rough. <laughs> Did you, I mean, I had this feeling or this, this fear before I met Ashley, Ashley Graham in person for the yeah. first time. Um, yeah. and I know you were at this event with Ashley in LA that we were both at and you met her and you talked to her and was that a fear that you also had? Was that someone where you were like, please, please, please be like how you are online? My number one, because she's the reason why I got into the career that I'm in. And, you know, immediately when I saw her, like for a moment, she was by herself. I was like, I'm going to take my chance because I have been like dying to meet her. And when I met her first, it was insane that she remembered who I was because we'd been DMing. Like I followed her for like seven years now, seven, eight years. And when I, you know, saw her in person, like she was just like, oh my gosh, hi, how are you? And there was someone next to her. Um, I wasn't sure if it was her manager or not, but she looked confused. And then Ashley was telling her, oh yeah, we've been DMing each other for years now. And the fact that, you know, she remembered little old me. I was like, that says a lot about her. And she was just like the most down to earth person. She gives like, she radiates big sister energy. So for me to meet her and encounter that, like I couldn't have asked for more. Like she was everything that I thought she would be in more. And I mean, I hope I get to meet her again and hopefully soon. Yeah, I know. I felt the same way. I remember like for the, the next photo shoot that I did with her, I, remember being like on my way there and being like please just let her be like friendly I don't want this to like ruin like the way that I view her and it was not that at all like she was the most like supportive loving accepting like 
she made all of us on set feel like we had been modeling the same amount of time she had she made us all feel like we were like on the same level as her it was just like such like you said big sister energy like I'm like I feel like you're giving off like you're my big sister and we've known each other for, for all of our lives so that's always mm -hmm. so refreshing knowing like okay this person who I've looked up to, who does good, who seems good, is actually a, a very good person um, in real life. So I love that. Love that for you. I love that that's now like a, a connection that we can share this like yeah. and girl, I love that for us. I love that. Yes, 100%. Yeah. Um, I mean, I could talk about Ashley. I could talk about this event. I could talk about that all day, but that's not why we're here. <laughs> Um, so before we get too wrapped up in all of that, Sharon, do you mind sharing with listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do for anyone who is maybe just hearing about you or following you for the first time? Yeah. Hi, my name is Sharon Claussen. I am a full-time curve model, full-time content creator, and yeah, I've been doing this for a while now. I want to say five years, like the first couple of years I took to, you know, make my connections and to also add in, I'm from Sacramento. So before I moved down to LA, you know, I used the first couple of years to really get comfortable in front of the camera and just get experience and see what it's really like and, you know, build my book and stuff. And, you know, when you're up North, you definitely don't have nearly the same opportunities as you do down here. So it was kind of like, you know, taking what you could get paid or not. And that really helped me like, see if this is what I really wanted to do. And I was like, you know what, like, I'm committed, like, I'm gonna go, like, full on in I'm moving to LA and making a full career out of it. So it's been, it's been a journey, but I've been enjoying the process. And just like anything else, it's been one heck of a roller coaster, I'll tell you that. But like, I couldn't have asked for anything better. Like, this is everything that I manifested. And it's crazy because sometimes we get in that mindset where we forget like, wait, this is what I manifested. This is what I prayed for. This is what I wanted. Like if you think back to a year or two ago, like my life was, and I'm sure yours too, entirely different. Like it's not what it is now. And I, again, couldn't have asked for anything more, but yeah, I like to, I fell off of, you know, content creating a little bit and I really want to get back on it. And also starting my TikTok over because my first account just was like 70% men. And I'm like, no, I don't do this for men. I'm like, you, they ruin everything. <laughs> ruin everything. So I restarted and I was like, you know what? I just saw it as like a fresh start because, um, you know, I don't have like the biggest following, but to know that, you know, I'm engaging with women, like women I'd never met and getting like the sweetest comments from them. Like, I don't normally see a body like yours on the internet. Like, thank you for just being yourself. And I think that's the best thing you can do, whether it's the industry or just in general, just being yourself and feeling like people can connect to you. Because I mean, that's a huge reason why I do this. And I'm sure that's why, you know, talking about Ashley, that's why she does this, because she knew that her body was going to make a difference for women and girls like us. Definitely. So I think, you know, staying true to it and knowing like why I do this and my purpose, it's been like, I, I couldn't ask for anything more. Like, I'm super grateful I get to do this. And I love that for you. I'm I'm so happy to hear that you are 
accomplishing those dreams and you're living this life that you you've you've manifested you've dreamt of you've prayed about right like I think that that is so empowering to see someone succeeding um I think it's an example to so many people that it is possible and you know like it can be so easy to stop and to give up when society tells us that we're never going to succeed or we don't look the way that we should look to succeed it's like no we get to choose what that looks like and being able to kind of reshape that in a way and find your niche in your community to you know help them all celebrate and love and accept their bodies for who they are is it's such a beautiful space to be in for sure it really is and like thank you for saying all that first of all and second like as you're saying all that like I just have it burned into my brain that one Instagram reel TikTok you made about like you know you talking to the camera saying like, Hey, like come to the pool. Like you can come swim with us. Like for me, if I had that when I was younger, Oh my God. Like even talking about it now, like it just, it sparked something in me because I remember going to the pool when I was a kid, my mom, whenever she could afford it, she would get me passes to the summer community pool. And you know, you would just like punch it every time you would go. And my grandma and I, um, she'd be the one to take me. And we always had this, um, thing where she would tell me, you know, go to the pool, make sure you wear this muumu, like a big muumu. Cause for one, it was easier. She didn't want me to like deal with jeans and a shirt. She was like, it's just easier if you wear a dress, but it was like a grandma muumu. Like it was like salmon colored and the inside had like a floral print. <laughs> and, um, whenever I would go swimsuit shopping with my mom and my grandma, they made sure like everything was covered. Like they, the closest thing to a bikini they would let me wear was a tan bikini. And even the bottom part had to have a skirt or I, they wouldn't let me get it. And the part was like, the top part was just fully covered. But like, I knew from a young age, I always wanted to show off my body. Like I always wanted to show off my skin. Like I was like, why can't I wear a two piece, but then all these other girls. And like, for me, that's how I knew all, everything that I was told about my body, that's all taught like it's all projection because even like I didn't care when I was a kid about like how I looked I just wanted to wear what I wanted like I didn't care about like my belly flopping out like I didn't care and then there was you know going into certain events in my life where I like that's when I started caring because when you get told something often enough it can eventually eat you up and so for me I was just like dang like I guess I need to wear that tankini or I guess I am going to wear that moon to the pool because literally everybody and their mothers are telling me that I need to yeah. so for me that's like such a core memory when I think about going to the community pool because I'm like I wish I could have worn that bikini and I know at the end of the day like my mom and my grandma they did that to protect me like from getting bullied but also wishing I had that encouragement from them um, where it's just like, why would you care about what other people think? But also seeing when I got older, how insecure my mom and grandma were about themselves. I'm like, that makes sense. And it, it kind of allows us to have this like light bulb moment. I feel like, especially as we get older and we reflect back on those experiences, I've had reflection experiences like that as well, where I'm like, this had, you know, like that situation in terms of wearing a muumuu at the pool 
maybe a little bit of that was to protect you but I feel like a, a, a lot of times a large part of that is a projection right it's like their insecurity and so they you know want to be able to have control and whatever aspect they can have control in I saw that in my mom I saw that in my grandma um where I was like no just let me wear what I want to wear and they're like no like we don't want you to struggle like I struggle um and I'm like but just let like let me make that decision like let me navigate that um and maybe let's like try to reframe this from I don't want you to struggle and into don't let these these words or these comments from other people impact you in a negative way right it's like I kind of wish I would have been taught that as well like you said like how to feel empowered in my body and how to be able to wear what I want to wear without this fear of like other people commenting um mm -hmm. And then having to deal with the comments because my mom and grandma didn't know how to deal with the comments. They just thought that they were, they were things you took as truth. And, you know, now I know differently and I'm sure you know differently and you can now make those choices for yourself and take back that feeling of empowerment for yourself in those situations. Absolutely. And especially like knowing why we both do what we do, like your content is so powerful. Like it, again, like there, it just like, it really strikes something in me that takes me back to a moment where I'm like, whoa, I, I'd like, that's like sparked something that I totally forgot it happened, but it happened. And, you know, looking at my mom and, you know, like we're, always constantly healing, like being on the healing journey where like I would reflect on those kinds of things and think, oh my gosh, like, cause my grandma, my mom were the ones who raised me. And then, um, you know, also to add in my grandma passed away in 2015. And so seeing how like my mom was after she passed away and like still like even more so insecure because she seeked a lot of the validation from my grandma and she just like, was at a loss at how to help me make decisions too. So seeing how she was, who she was raised by, I'm like, it makes sense that she was very, you know, insecure in herself and that she was projecting a lot onto me. And I see like, that's really a lot of it, not her fault. Like that's who she was raised by. And I feel like it's our responsibility in this generation to break those generational curses. Because again, with the line of work that we do, it's we want to teach the next generation of girls or anybody who may feel a certain way in their bodies. Um, just feel like, let me make that decision. Like, let me let me do what I want. And if that's what makes me uncomfortable, then I won't do it. Then, then we can we can talk about that. But for now, let me wear the bikini. Like, let me wear what I want. And yeah, it's just, I look at my mom and just like, I wish like she would have had that encouragement as a little girl growing up. And I think so many people feel that and are like, you know, want to heal those parts of our, our parents, our family members, our loved ones. I know I feel that a lot. I feel like a heavy burden to help my family see like the beauty of healing and the beauty of therapy and talking about things and growing um and it's you know unfortunately we can't always force everyone to do that work but we can 
you know, engage in conversation and provide safe spaces for that. So I'm curious, like, has that been a conversation that you've had with your mom? Um, or is it kind of just taboo, don't talk about it kind of thing? You know, it's crazy because I feel like our connection got so much deeper before I moved down to Southern California because it was just like my mom, my dad, and then us living together. And I think that really gave me the opportunity to have more of these conversations with her where I really wanted to understand where she was coming from or like why she would say the things that she did or why she felt, you know, a certain way about certain things. And it gave me a chance to see like, oh my gosh, like all I ever wanted, like in those moments, all I wanted to do was give her a hug and just say like, I wish I would have known a lot of these things or I wish I could have been there for her or like, you know, and I think back to, you know, her not being able to be there for me in an emotional um, way. It was just like, it was very telling of the way that she was raised. And so all I'm like coming to these realizations and having these conversations, I'm like, I just want to hug you. Like, I wish like I could help you heal that like inner child even more or like have these conversations even more. And, you know, the healing part of things, it's not pretty and it's hard. And especially, you know, when you start doing it for yourself and you're like, okay, like maybe let's take some, take some family. Like I really want to take my mom and do this with her. But then she would sometimes look at me like I'm crazy. But you know, when we would actually get to talking, she's like, how are you so confident? How are you so this? How are you so that? And I'm just like, it took work mom. And you know, and it's never easy. And it's just like having these conversations with myself and also being a Gemini, I have 54 different personalities that I have conversations with every single day. So it's just like, so what's going on today? You know, like what, what are we going to talk about with yourself today? So, 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 you know, having that and just like being willing to dig into the wounds and really cleaning it out. Like I remember my therapist used this analogy where it's just like, you can't just take your wound and throw dirt over it and expect it to get better and just like avoid it. You kind of have to clean it out and, you know, actually work on healing that because the more you cover it up, the more like, you know, something's going to happen in the future. Something's going to trigger you and you're like, whoa, that was not what I was expecting to happen. Yeah, definitely. I love that analogy. I feel like I use one similar and with my clients of like a, like a pressure cooker. Like I'm like, when we we fit, we, you know, put things into a pressure cooker and you just keep adding and adding and adding to the point where the top is literally going to blow off and you're going to reach a point where you're like, all right, everything has exploded out of this pressure cooker and all of these feelings and emotions and experiences are now laying on the floor in front of me and I have to do something with all of them. So it's like, you know, as hard as it may seem, like really trying to process and heal certain things one at a time in the long run is going to be easier than getting to a point where you're like, all right, now I have 50 things that I've been avoiding that now are just laying here. I need to do something with them. Um, So I always tell people that I'm like, it might feel really scary to process these things right now, but I promise in the long run, it will be it will be worth it because you won't have a pile up of things that you've been avoiding. Right. A hundred percent. I love that analogy though. I've never heard anyone use a pressure cooker. That's actually perfect. I use that with a lot of my clients and now I probably will use the wound one because I think that's a really beautiful one as well. I think it's, you know, I'm a visual person. I love having like visual 
like being able to visualize concepts. And so, um, yeah, I feel like the pressure cooker thing, the wound thing, that's all going to stick with me. And I'll, I'll definitely be sharing that with clients <laughs> yay I'm gonna steal the pressure cooker one and I'll make sure like by the way not mine I'm gonna be like Carly yes. told me this <laughs> definitely um so talking like going back to this relationship with your body growing up um you know feeling like this sense of you know projection from your mom and your grandma and hiding or wearing a muumuu when you went to the pool um what was your relationship like with your body growing up you know before any of that like I really thought I am the baddest bitch here like I like whenever I would get told comments about my body and going back to you know when you get told something enough you start believing it and you know that's when I started spiraling and thinking I need to go on these diets and my mom had me on diet pills when I was nine I started going into pageantry when I was 11 I um you know, and I, w I went into all of that being super insecure because of not just like my mom and my grandma giving me those comments, but from kids at school, from teachers at school, um, just like left and right. And I'm just like, is my body really that bad? And again, you hear it enough to where you start to believe it. But before any of that, like I just, I was just simply existing in my body. I was just like, I just wanted to wear a bikini to the pool. I just wanted to wear whatever I wanted. Like I wanted to wear shorts. Like did the thigh, did the, um, rub between my thighs suck. Yeah, but I didn't care. I still wanted to wear those jean shorts, you know? So getting told all those things like left and right eventually started affecting me. And especially when I started going into pageantry when I was 11, that was really hard too, because, you know, I like relied on the validation from pageantry and not just like from my mom because I just remember one day we got a letter in the mail and my mom was like hey like there's um, a pageant it was like for Miss Preteen Sacramento or and um she was like do you want to do it and me wanting the validation of like oh I am pretty enough I am this I am that like I was like heck yeah I want to be in a pageant like that would be cool and so I did. And I remember telling myself like, oh yeah, this is just going to be for fun. Like this is going to be great. And I remember when I didn't make it to the next round, like I was bawling my eyes out. I was crying. I was like, wow, I really am just not good enough. And I will say, you know, in that time, in that moment, my mom was supportive and she just like took me and hugged me and she's like, it's okay. Like, let's, let's just go get some food. We'll be okay. But then afterwards I started getting, um, letters in the mail from Hawaiian Tropic. Like I did a bunch of Hawaiian Tropic pageants and, um, and other stuff. And I will always remember this moment and I'll ponder it sometimes too. It was a Hawaiian Tropic pageant. I walked in and there were just like a group of girls that wouldn't stop looking at me. And I was like, what I'm so confused what's going on and they were like um blonde hair blue eyes like your typical pageant girl and I was like just do I not belong and here I am you know like chubby with a bowl cut um probably the longest I had my hair when I was a kid was up to here but because my parents just didn't want to deal with it they're like mm, no we're just gonna make you look like a boy <laughs> and um but I made it work I made it work and going into the room I was like wow, do I just really not belong there? And I feel like there were moments when I would go on stage, I felt like I looked like a deer in the headlights. And I was just like, uh, okay, I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's going on. Um, am I really that much of a freak? And it started getting into my head. So a lot of that like tore my confidence. And so I took a 
break from pageants for a really long time to really, you know, just focus on myself and heal from there. And even then, like I was very insecure a lot of the time, like even um, during summer, you know, of high school, I would be in a hoodie and some sweats. Cause I was just like, I like, I guess my body's just really that bad and I'm just going to hide it. It's just, this is damn, it sucks. But I guess like I have to start hiding my body. And then my last pageant was actually for Miss Teen Sacramento. I was 19 and I remember going for that. And the narrative is entirely different from what I remembered. And I love that there were um, girls of all shapes, of all sizes, of all backgrounds. And, you know, all the girls were just so sweet to each other. Like it was nothing compared to what I had experienced when, you know, back when I was like a preteen and I was like, whoa, so the narrative really did change. This is, this is awesome. Like why weren't pageants like this when I was a little girl? So when I did that and that stuck with me and really that was confirmation for me continuing like to take my modeling career seriously and to say, Hey, like I want to be the representation that I needed when I was a little girl, when I was told constantly left and right, that you're not good enough. You, um, you period, you're just not good enough. So now that I've, you know, actually done this for so long and seeing like, you know, when I get the messages from, it could be anybody. I get messages from women of all walks in life, of all backgrounds. And especially um, from when I hear there'll be women in my DMs um, from Malaysia, from um, South Asia, India saying like, thank you so much for what you do because I've been told that I need to cover up. I need to do all these things. You inspire me and I appreciate the work that you do that hits home every single time. And I think also, you know, not just coming from, not just coming from a certain time in my parents' lives, but also our culture and our background. It's like, oh no, like you need to cover up. Like it's not good for you to be showing that much skin. And I'm curious, like, so you had this experience with the pageants where you, you know, showed up and you just felt like all eyes were on you. People were staring at you, judging you. It didn't feel like a good all eyes on you. It felt like a very judgmental, you don't belong here. You don't fit in sort of all eyes on you. Did you ever have experiences where people or, you know, other girls in the pageant had said things to you, like comments were made to you or parents said things to you or people running the pageants said things to you or was it primarily just coming from like your family um primarily from my family I think all those looks I just don't think anyone really had it in them to say anything to me but then it was more so like my mom and my grandma always tell me like oh you could have done better on stage you could have done this you could have done that or you know, with them saying those comments, it's just like, well, I could have been more confident if I had that support, if I had, you know, the encouragement from them, because it's like my mom asking me if I want to do these pageants, if I'm like interested, which I am, but also like, how am I going to do this if I don't actually have your moral support, if I don't have you telling me that I am good enough, that I am going to be great at what I'm going to do. And that definitely made it a lot tougher, but the parents and then the kids staring at me, was just more of an add-on of, oh, okay, this this confirms that I'm just not meant to be here. This is really weird. But as far as, you know, 
people who ran the pageants, like I don't recall anything from them. I think they just saw me as like another young girl on stage who's like, okay, like, let's see what she's got. Let's see what she's going to do. I think like, you know, that reiteration of like what you had been told or heard from your family and then showing up in this space and feeling like, okay, these looks and the stairs are, like you said, kind of validating what your family is saying to you regarding your body. Um, and then you have, you know, then you go into this, the space of Miss Teen and you have a completely different experience where you see diversity, you see people like teens of all different shapes and sizes. Um, what was that, what was that feeling like for you comparing the, this old experience that you had had in the past to now this one Miss Teen, what was that thought process like for you? It took me a minute to process it, but in the best way, because all I ever wanted was that experience to see, you know, again, like people of all shapes, sizes, backgrounds, all in one room. And I felt like I had made a bunch of friends before I left. Like I really got to talk to these girls and like where they came from and their experiences. It was really just refreshing. And also I think at that time I came to a point where I was just like, if I don't win this, I like, I truly don't care. Like my thought process after the pageant, I didn't make it to the next round. All I wanted to do was take my heels off and get a bucket of chicken. <laughs> like I, I was just like, that's totally fine. Like I felt even more my cup felt more filled when I actually got to make friends and actually speak to these girls and see like their experiences and what brought them here versus like actually winning the title of Miss Teen Sacramento. So I think like there was that connection versus when I was a preteen and a little girl versus like, I didn't feel like I could talk to anybody because I already got those stares of you don't belong. We were talking last night about some different topics to talk about throughout today's episode. And mm -hmm. one thing that came up was this, um, experience you had with disordered eating and I'm curious if the disordered eating is linked to your experience that you had with pageantry or if that was something that came before or after um, I'd love to hear a little bit about that yeah I think like with the pageantry that definitely had a huge effect on the way that I ate or like what I decided to eat or how much I was going to eat. And I think, you know, with that mentality, because I, so going into high school before that, I went to like an all Catholic school and then it was my first public school experience where, you know, it was just the complete 180. The environment was entirely different. And then after my freshman year is when I decided okay, yeah, like, I really, I really want to lose this weight. So I did summer PE also to get it out of the way. So I didn't have to worry about it the next year. But I barely ate that summer. And I'll always remember this, I was I had just turned 16. And I just remember every day we would run the track, we would do all these exercises, I would eat less than a 1000 calories a day, some days, I would eat less than 500. Like I would probably take a bite or two of my food and call it like, okay, I'm just not going to eat. And I had lost about 25 pounds that summer. I remember coming back and I've had so many compliments left and right. Sharon, you lost so much weight. You look so good. Whatever it is you're doing, keep it up. And I'm like, okay, I guess I'm going to keep it up. But I know those weren't coming from a harmful place, but I just don't think like anyone making those comments realized how much of an effect that it had 
because you don't necessarily know what I'm doing to maintain my body or maintain what I'm doing. And it's not, it's not healthy. And I kept that up for a long time, actually, like being like having to really eat at a strict deficit. Like I, I don't even know if you can call it deficit. I think it was more of just, you know, taking two bites here and there throughout the day and just saying like, okay, I'm not hungry. And they're trying to convince myself that I'm not, and then kill myself at the gym even more and probably spend about two or three hours there. So I think, you know, the pageantry had an effect on it. My parents did, um, like my mom and grandma did. I, my dad, he never made comments about my body. He never even, he never told me like, you need to lose weight. You need to do this. You need to do that. I think his number one priority for me was that I was healthy. Like, and for him too, um, whenever him and I would go out, we would always opt for, you know, vegetarian options. And like my love of vegetables came from, you know, my dad or just like healthier eating or just like, he was more focused on intuitive eating. He just wanted, he was like, are you still hungry? Like, let's go get more food. If you're not hungry, like maybe let's not, you know, then let's not get food. Like whatever you're feeling like his priority was never my weight or my body. That was more of my mom and my grandma projecting that onto me. So I think, you know, when I think about my teen years and my disordered eating, it was more so coming from the comments of like my teachers, again, my teachers, my mom and my grandma, but also the pageantry with it too. Like, was your mom aware of the eating patterns that you had developed or was she commenting on the weight loss or, you know, what was happening on that end when all of this was going on? Wow. It's actually crazy. You mentioned that because you unlocked something that I had completely forgotten about. My mom, she would notice that I wouldn't eat breakfast. She would notice that I would leave without eating. And then she was like, did you eat anything? What did you do? And I be like, no, mom, like, I'm just not hungry. Like, I'm just going to go to school and I'll, I'll figure something out. And she'd be like, no. And I just remember because she worked night shift. So this was as soon as she got home and she wanted to make sure that I was okay and good to go. I just remember she would grab a bowl and she would like even, you know, grab a box of cereal and she would actually like grab her hand. She was like, at least have a handful of cereal, have something, but I would refuse. Like I just, I wouldn't touch the food. I wouldn't eat it. And yeah, I think she noticed that I just wasn't eating and she wanted to make sure that I had something in my system. So you, you unlocked something I completely forgot it happened, but as for the weight loss, my mom and my grandma, would they would always compliment me. They would always say, good job. Like, keep going. If you lost, they would always tell me if you lost a little bit more weight, you'd be perfect. Like that was their number one thing. And even sometimes, and something that I don't talk about often too, was like my grandma, sometimes she would have me take vinegar before I went to bed or take diet teas before I go to bed. So like in the morning, I, it, it would work or, um, another thing too, is that she would sometimes take me with her to the kitchen and she would have me slam my stomach against some cabinets because that was to flatten my stomach. So she would do it with me and say, yeah, she was like, all you have to do is like bang your stomach. And she would be like, one, two, three. And like, after a few hits, she would say, see, like your stomach already looks so much better. And I'm like, oh, okay. So we would do that like every other day. And that's another memory that I forget to talk about too. Wow. And that's like, that is a pretty intense routine sort of thing to go through at that age, right? Like the vinegar and the, the tea before bed and, you know, like just ingraining this message in your head of like, this is what we do before bed because it's burning fat while we sleep. And when we wake up with, you know, it's kicking in and we're going to go to the bathroom and it's going to do its thing. 
Um, and the cabinet thing, I have never heard of that before. Um, do you feel like that's like, is that like a cultural thing or was that something that she, I don't know if you ever asked, if you had ever asked her, but if that's something that she, like she came up with or like she experienced when she was younger, that's so interesting. I've never heard of that. Yeah. So I never bothered asking. I was just like, whatever grandma tells me just goes. So I would just go into the kitchen. And whenever she would grab me to go into the kitchen, we would just be slamming our stomachs on cabinets. And she would just say, yeah, this is just to like make your stomach flatter. And I guess like she really believed that that, that worked and it doesn't, if anyone's curious, like it doesn't work. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it was, I don't know if it was something that she was taught um, but also like she would tell me about her history when she was a child. And so her biological parents actually passed when she was a baby. So she was raised by relatives and um, her relatives didn't really like pay much attention to her. So I don't think it was necessarily something that she was taught. I think it was more so something that she came up with and she was like, oh, this is going to work because, you know, slamming your stomach is just going to flatten it. And I think it's just something that she's like, oh, like, let's just do it. Yeah, definitely. And I, yeah, that's so, yeah, I, I had never heard of that before, but I think that that's so similar to like, um, for me, something similar that I heard from my grandma and my mom was that if we constantly had our, our abs flexed, no, no, it was, if we were constantly sucking in, like if mm. we walked around sucking in our stomachs, that would eventually be how our stomach would look. And I remember literally walking around school, like sucking in my stomach and being so uncomfortable, but thinking like, okay, this is going to pay off. This is going to pay off because if I, if I just keep sucking in, then my stomach will be flatter and that's how my stomach will form. So I feel like that's kind of a similar mindset, like the one that your grandma had of like, well, if we, if we slam our stomach against the cabinets, it will be flatter. Um, it was like sucking in my stomach for me. So I would be sitting and I would be sucking in my stomach. I would be walking and I would be sucking in my stomach. Um, and I just remember hearing that from my mom and my grandma, like sucking your stomach, that's, it will get stuck like that. So try to be, you know, conscious of your posture. And if you're sucking in your stomach or if you're, you know, just letting it hang loose. <laughs> so I remember being like, oh, I'm not sucking in. And then I would like, consciously like suck my stomach in and I'm like okay now I look back and I'm like that doesn't work <laughs> um for anyone listening again like the cabinet the cabinet thing it doesn't work you don't need to go around sucking in your stomach all day you're probably gonna be really uncomfortable and you're probably gonna like mess up your your back and stuff because it's not like a it's not an easy posture to just like maintain for a long period of time <laughs> No. So did you ever ask them where they got that idea or that concept from? Like, okay, we're going to do this. No, I never did. I feel like it may have been, so my mom, my, my mom and my grandma both, but specifically my mom was very much into Weight Watchers and Jenny Craig and Slim Fast and all of the diets when mm -hmm. I was younger. So I don't know if it was something that she saw, um, like, on tv like a television commercial or like maybe she read it in like a magazine um like the tabloid magazines or like you know like the women's health magazines where they would always talk about here's the new diet and how to do it 
So I don't know if she read it somewhere or if she just made it up. I have no idea. That's something I, I would love to ask her um, actually is like where she first heard that or if it was something that she just kind of like came up with. But yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, let me know what she says because I've also never heard that. And it's really interesting that your mom and grandma both were like, oh, it's going to like do this for your posture and it's going to like maintain your stomach. And it's just like, no, I just kind of want to breathe. Yeah, exactly. It's like, no, I'd rather be comfortable. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. But no, thank you. Yeah, exactly. Um, so kind of going back to the pageantry, because I think this is just such a really important conversation to have for anyone who's listening, who has a, who has been in pageants, who um, is currently in pageants, or ha if you are a parent or a family member who has um, a loved one who is in a pageant. Um, first question is, do you feel like pageants are notorious for being a space of developing eating disorders and disordered eating behaviors? Oh, yeah, for sure. And especially, you know, when I was younger. But I think, again, when I think about the incredible experience when I have when I was going for Miss Teen Sacramento, like that narrative entirely changed. Like, I really think, you know, with the times that we're in now, I don't think that's so much the narrative where it's just like, I have to be like this size, I have to lose X amount of pounds to fit into this dress. I think with pageants now, it's way more accepting. And it's more you know, it's more diverse. It feels more inclusive now. And, you know, when I was younger, yeah, that was entirely like, it's exactly what you would think it is. But I think say now for pageants, it's just so much more accepting. And I think now for parents who do want to put their daughters in pageants or um, say, you know, or they have daughters and, you know, making sure that they're okay with it. Like, yeah, I actually want to do this and also not making them do certain things. Cause I think that's, you know, where my mom, um, she would put me in categories and there are certain pageants where you could be like, you could do a talent category. You could do like best eyes, best smile, best this, best that. And, um, making sure like you are actually like your, your kid is okay with doing all that. Cause I think my mom put me in a lot of that stuff without me knowing. I'd be like, okay, I didn't know that was, <laughs> I didn't know that was going to happen, you know, but just like the, um, the consent. And also like, if you are going to be having your child do that, just being the most encouraging parent that you can be. Cause I also feel like as accepting as it is now, it's also still terrifying because you're still not knowing what to expect. And like for somebody who doesn't know this information, for somebody who doesn't know that pageants now are more accepting and more this, they still could go into the mindset of it being, oh my gosh, like, are these girls going to be mean? Or, or and is anyone going to make these comments towards me? And it's still like having that unconditional support and just being there for whoever you decide to put in a pageant. A big part of that too is like the messaging that people are hearing at home, right? Like I think that 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 plays a role in how someone shows up in a pageant. I think for you, you had already you had you had heard these things growing up, but you also had this very like strong, independent message and voice about yourself and who you were. You had this like internal confidence that finally came out and I think you know not everyone has that right so I feel like people who go into pageants even now with diversity with you know seeing this inclusion and all of that um happening I think that there's still this piece of like 
people are showing up in a way in which they are being told to show up by parents, right? Like, I think a lot of times it's like, okay, I see all of these different shapes and sizes, but at home I'm being told that this shape or this size is what wins pageants and this shape and this size is what's important to, you know, like be the winner of this pageant. And I feel like that could be a hard thing to like unlearn in those places. Oh, absolutely. And it took years of unlearning. And even now, like I'll admit I'm human and I still have my moments of, I'm just really not feeling myself today. Like I look like a potato. Like sometimes I'll like tell myself that, but I also have to remind myself, I'm like, you know what, Sharon? No, like this is, we're not doing this today. And I just make sure, you know, and thanks to Ashley, you know, starting my day off with affirmations and just reminding myself, like all those things that I've been told, all those things that have been said, those are lies. None of that is true. Like there is, and like the voices in your head that will tell you that you're not good enough. That'll tell you like, don't wear that dress girl. Like that's not flattering. It's all lying to you. And it's just at the end of the day, doing like what makes you feel your best and just reminding yourself, this is another really good reminder that I tell myself too. It's just, I have put my body through so much, the disordered eating and killing myself at the gym and diets, all of the above, anything you can name. And just remembering like, despite everything that my body that I put my body through, it still chooses to take care of me today. And it still is doing everything that it can to just exist. And I think like, that's more than what I, like what I could ask for. And I just remind myself like, you know what, Sharon, take a moment to thank your body because you put it through a lot. It's been through a lot and it's standing here today. Is there any part of you that wishes you didn't do pageants? Not at all. Like I, I love being able to share my experiences and my stories because I mean, and it's a huge part of why I do what I do today, because remembering how pageants made me feel back then, I would never want to make anyone feel like that. Like, and I do what I do now to uplift other women, to make them feel like you are good enough. And like, no one should tell you otherwise. What was the, just for anyone listening who is like interested in pageantry and because I am, I'm very interested in pageantry. I have not really been in pageantry. I did like one, I don't even know if it was considered like a pageant. It was like a scholarship thing, my senior year of high school. Um, and I'm, you know, just curious, like what is the most like shocking thing about pageants that people might not know? That's a really good question. I don't, I can't think of anything at the moment. I think like pretty much everything that I've mentioned is like a lot of what pageants are you know, but I think if they were to go into it now, like the narrative again, is just entirely different from what it is now. And if you do want to do a pageant now, like I highly encourage it. What I've, what I've recommended when I was a kid, 12 out of 10, absolutely fucking not. Yeah. But like now it's just like, it's entirely just like, I say, go for it. And why, why, what, what's your reasoning for, for saying go for it? Like what parts of that do you feel like are so important for people to experience? It was going back to my um, Miss Teen Sacramento experience and having the conversations with the girls beforehand, like we're all waiting to go up, like we're all getting ready. And just like, I felt so connected and I felt, okay, like we all like come from similar backgrounds, like where we all struggle with ourselves. And I feel like when you have that connection and you realize like, one, everybody 
is just like you. And to everybody's like having a lot of the same thoughts as you, everybody is feeling the same way as you do. And maybe some people aren't as confident as you and you are going into this. Like we are in this together, like no matter who wins or, or no, no matter who's out, like you really feel that genuine connection. And my cup just felt again, like so filled having those conversations with the girls beforehand. So that's what really prompted me to, again, like take my modeling career seriously and do this full time. So I highly recommend, like if you are going to do pageants now, it's entirely different. And it sounds like to me, like for you, it was, and, and maybe this is like the healthiest side of pageants is that community aspect. Step away from the like individualism of the pageant and really hone in on the community, the people that you're meeting, the individuals that you get to interact with and you know all of that which I think is super important for all of us to experience right that space of like feeling comfortable and safe around people and feeling less alone and finding things that we have in common and building up that community I think is so important um mm -hmm. do you feel like it's really easy for people to miss that part of pageants and only focus on the individual aspect I feel like that could be super easy just because like when you are in it, it's really easy to just like look at yourself and focus on you and focus what you're going to say and focus on what you're going to do. And you're probably in the mindset of like, I'm, I'm here to win. Like I'm not here to talk to anybody, but that also goes back to mindset and like what you go into this and what you want out of it as well. Like I wasn't in it to win the pageant. I was in it like for the experience and hoping for something different and hoping like it would change my feelings of how I felt about it before. So for me, like whether it's pageantry, whether it's like the work that we do now, like I'm very much about the community. Like I love talking to people and I love like hearing their stories and where they came from, because I mean, without that, like why am I doing this? Like I do this like, so we can all feel connected and we can feel seen. Like that's exactly why again, I chose to do modeling, which I I'm super grateful for the work that I get to do. And I'm really glad that, you know, it's become what it is, but I like, for me, it's like meeting the people on set, like hairstylists, makeup artists, like other models. And just like, again, like that community is what makes it all worth it. And last question kind of regarding pageants. Do you feel like the people who are directing or running the pageants are, are at least from your experience, and I know it's been a while since you were in one, um, just I guess looking back at your experience or conversations you've had with people who are currently still in them, um, do you feel like there is a prioritization of the community aspect by the people who are running the pageants or directing the pageants? Or do you feel like it's more so still linked to the individual aspect? Like, do you feel like the community aspect's encouraged or not really? Um, that's a really good question. A part of me wants to say that the community is encouraged because I feel again, like when you do watch these pageants on TV and they're asking you all these questions, like they want to know like whoever is representing, um, it could be like Miss, for example, Miss USA. They want to make sure like whoever Miss USA is that they are like representing a community and want to make sure like they're doing it for the people too. So it is, there is definitely that sense of community. And even afterwards, like I feel like you leave with, so many women or so many people like who have shared their stories and like 
feeling more fulfilled. And so I think now, and especially like, which I'm like super grateful to have again, experienced that. I think it is like at the end of the day about the community. And I think they definitely want to make that known. So it sounds like, you know, when it, if, if we're speaking to someone who, you know, someone who's listening to this episode, who is thinking about doing a pageant or they know someone who's in a pageant, the biggest piece of advice would be going into it, like really making connections, trying to build that community um, and, you know, really trying to step away from this idea that you need to change your body or you need to conform to society's standards. Um, would you agree that that would be like the takeaway from this pageant? all the talk of pageants oh absolutely yes and I think like at that time too I was in the mindset of like oh, if I don't win whatever but like let's see who I'll meet let's see like what friends and even um just a couple months ago I had a friend from that pageant that I did and I only met her that one time she reached out to me telling me like I'm so proud of you like from the moment that I met you and to see where you are now it's been like such an incredible journey to watch and it's like you leave like again, making those connections. And I can, again, ask for anything more. What piece of advice would you give someone who's thinking about going or doing a pageant? Um, just go into it. Like, just have fun with it, honestly. Because like, if you take yourself too seriously, it's it takes the joy out of the experience. I really want to encourage, like, also just being yourself. And yeah, I think that's like, honestly, the best advice that I could give. It's just like having a good time with it. And what about a piece of advice for parents? Just being encouraging and loving towards who, um, your kids who want to go in pageants. And if it's something that they want to do, that's great. And if they don't want to, like, also don't force them. Maybe you could maybe give them a little insight and say, hey, like, if you are like feeling a little hesitant, like this could be a good opportunity. But if you don't want to, like, I'm not going to make you. And I think, um, you know, thinking back to when I was younger, like, I wish I had my mom tell me like, oh, yeah, you're going to do great. Like, this is like, I'm here for whatever, like I can do for you. So I think just like being that support that your kids are going to need. So important. So to kind mm -hmm. of wrap things up, what would you say has been like the biggest part of your kind of reframing healing journey for yourself coming from this space, you know, growing up where you, you had this sense of confidence, you had this like idea that you wanted to wear this bikini like from the get-go but then you heard messaging from your mom and your grandma that kind of shifted that for you and now you have kind of done the work to get back to this place of feeling confident and like just being authentically yourself um what what do you feel like was the biggest part in all of that like what what helped you to reframe that and get back to this place of confidence and just like accepting and, and celebrating who you are. Ashley Graham's TED Talk. Like that's what really, like there was the pageant, but Ashley Graham's TED Talk from when I saw it from the get-go and the way that she spoke to herself and she talked a lot about changing her words. And ever since she said that, I was like, okay, I'm just going to start changing my words or any of these projections that are made to me, they're projections. Like none of it is true. Like that doesn't mean... Like, it's just not a fact. And, you know, once I would like, anytime I'm feeling down, even last week, I had to watch it again. Because like, I'll watch it every now and then just as like a really good reminder that there's just so much power in our words. And like, once I started changing that narrative, it was more, 
okay, like, we're just, we're just going to go do this. And yeah. And I think like, that is like the number one thing that like got me into my modeling career is like really working on that inner confidence and just how I viewed myself. Yeah. Self-talk the way we talk to ourselves, and, and from like a clinical perspective, like a therapist perspective, I am like, be like always encouraging individuals to be aware of the words that they're using regarding themselves, other people, the world. Right. Because I think like those words are what reiterate the core beliefs that we have. And if we have negative core beliefs that are learned behaviors from childhood and we're using words that reiterate that belief, it's going to be hard to integrate out of that core belief. Um, and so I feel like, yeah, finding the words, like finding the ways to speak to yourself that really allow you to reframe those old negative core beliefs to then develop these new ones regarding yourself that are more positive and more accepting and more loving is yeah definitely one of the most important things we can do for ourselves yeah that's that's the number one thing because again going back to you know hearing all these outside voices telling me that I'm not enough telling me um, that I need to lose weight, all those, like you start believing it. So when you really have those conversations with yourself and that self-talk and you're like, you know what, that's just not the truth. That's when things start to really change. Yeah. And understanding that like, we have no control over the things that people say to us, like the words that yeah. people toward us, the control we have is in the impact we allow those words to have on us in the way that we navigate those words. And I think that being able to say like, oh, this is this statement that someone said about me is true versus this statement is not true. I know this to not be true. And mm -hmm. this is, this is what's true instead of what, you know, that negative, that negative thought is. I think that's a big thing too, is I feel like a lot of clients are like, I'm feeling frustrated because I'm hearing all of this stuff from the outside world, from society, from parents, from, you know, loved ones. And, um, you know, I'm struggling to have these positive thoughts about myself. And while that's so valid to feel that struggle, um, understanding that like, we will never be able to control other people's words. Um, mm -hmm. we will, we, we are able to control our reaction to those words and the impact that those words have on us and then the words that we use following those those you know negative those negative words so I think taking back that control is such a powerful thing for for all of us to be able to do absolutely and it it, it comes with doing a lot of the inner work and it's never easy but at the end of the day it's so worth it because you realize like you are worthy of all the things that you want you are worthy of you know, having that confidence and being kind to yourself. So I think like everything you said was just spot on. Well, thank you, Sharon, so much for being here and sharing your experience. And I have loved having this conversation about pageants because it's one that I haven't had on the podcast yet, but it is also this kind of taboo conversation that I feel like people are either in pageants and know what's going on or people aren't and they kind of have an idea of what's going on, but maybe it's not an accurate representation. So I feel like having this conversation cleared up a lot of things for me and opened up my eyes to, you know, like this community aspect of pageants, which I had never really thought about before, you know, when I, 
when I thought about pageants before, I really thought about just like individual, like beauty, beauty standards, right? All of these, all of these different things. But I feel like hearing your experience and your side of it has been eye-opening to the fact that it's actually can be very therapeutic for a lot of people to have that community space. So thank you so much for that and for for being vulnerable and sharing your story with us today. Oh my gosh. And thank you for creating a space where I felt like I could. Like, again, you unlocked some things for me that I totally forgot it happened where I was like, whoa, that actually did happen. That's crazy. So just like, it's really good for me. Like, it's like a good reflection moment for me where I'm like, yeah, it just, it felt great. Good. Well, I'm happy to hear that. Before we wrap up, do you mind sharing with listeners where they can find you, where they can follow along? Yeah. So you can follow me on Instagram, Sharon the Claw. And then on TikTok, I am Sharon.Clausen. So Sharon period Clausen. Perfect. And I'll link everything in the show notes, as well as the Ashley Graham TED Talk that you mentioned. But it sounds like it's had such a, a positive impact on you. And I'm sure so many people So Mm -hmm. I'm happy to share that link with listeners so that they can listen and hopefully take away, you know, something from, from that Ted talk like you did. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Again, total, total game changer. And I 12 out of 10 recommend everybody watch and listen. And listeners, um, if you resonated with today's episode, please feel free to leave a rating or review. It is so much appreciated. Um, Share this with a friend, share it with a family member. Um, if you listen, take a screenshot, tag Sharon and I, and let us know what your thoughts are on today's episode. We're so excited to hear um, your takeaways from our conversation. So thank you all so much for being here. Sharon, thank you so much for your time. And we'll see you all in the next episode. Bye. Hey, thank you.